Hello, my name is Denise and I'm one of the leadership team in Mavilla Presbyterian. Welcome to our first podcast in August. As Robert Wilson said during last week's podcast, a big thank you to the Reverend Paul Bailey for his teaching from Deuteronomy. Tonight, I hope you will join in our prayers and do sing along with the praise items. During the month of August, our Assistant Minister Wallace Moore will teach us from Psalm 119. I like to read some verses from Deuteronomy, some of the last words of Moses. There is no one like the God of Jeshurun, that's another name for Israel, who rides in the heavens to help you and on the clouds in his majesty. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. And also the first couple of verses from Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. Let's pray. Father, we come to you so grateful that despite our weaknesses and sin, We have the lovely picture of your everlasting arms holding us and that because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we have you as our eternal refuge. Thank you also for your word in which you speak to us. May it be our delight and as we meditate on it more often, may we get to know you better. Be with Wallace as he teaches us from Psalm 119. Speak to each of us by your Holy Spirit. As we listen, may we be encouraged, rebuked or challenged and apply what we've learnt in our daily lives. In Jesus' powerful name, Amen. Before we hear from Wallace, we have our first praise item, which is the song, Holy Spirit, Living Breath of God. The composers Keith Getty and Stuart Townend wanted this hymn to function as a sung prayer about the Holy Spirit's renewing power. So let's praise God now.
Wallace Moore and I'm the Assistant Minister here in Movilla Presbyterian. I'll be leading a series of podcasts throughout the month of August. For this series I want us to focus on Psalm 119. As I'm sure you know, Psalm 119 is the longest psalm. In fact, it's the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses. So you'll be glad to know that we're not going to look at the whole psalm. 
However, the psalmist has taken considerable time and thought into writing and constructing this psalm. It's divided up into 22 sections or stanzas, with eight verses in each. Each stanza is alphabetical, using the Hebrew alphabet. So if you want to learn Hebrew uh, and your alphabet, then here's your little textbook that you can use. Each verse of each stanza begins with that letter of the alphabet. So the first eight verses in Hebrew begin with the letter Aleph. Psalmist's purpose of doing it like this here is to make it memorable and easy for readers to learn. He's written it poetically, but to construct the psalm this well and in this fashion, each word would have to have been carefully thought out. And so what has been written has been considered carefully, and it's therefore important for us to take note of. The psalm has one main overriding theme, the word of God. Almost every verse makes reference to it, using several different Hebrew words to express different things and aspects of the word of God. We'll bit look at a bit more of those in detail as we go through the podcasts. Each of the Hebrew words are translated slightly different depending on the Bible version you're looking at. But here are the different terms used and it gives you a bit of their meaning. There's instruction or law, there's word, judgments or ordinances, decrees, commands, statutes, precepts, promise or word. But what the psalmist wants us to grasp really is the importance of the word of God the richness of it, and our obedience to it. The reformer Martin Luther wrote, One thing, and one only, is necessary for Christian life, righteousness and liberty. That one thing is the most holy word of God, the gospel of Christ. Let us then consider it certain and conclusively established that the soul can do without all things except the word of God. 17th century German theologian Franz Delitz, he said of Psalm 119 that it is the Christian's ABC of the praise, love, power and use of the word of God. For here we have a set, for, set forth in inexhaustible fullness what the word of God is to man and how a man is to behave himself in relation to it. So in light of these things, Today we're going to look at that first stanza, Aleph, which helps us see uh, that to walk in the way of the word is the way to be blessed and blameless life before the Lord. Let's read these verses, Psalm 119, verses 1 to 8. Let's hear the word of God. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord, Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways are steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. Amen. May God bless the reading of his living word. This stanza 
breaks nicely into two, verses 1 to 4 and then verses 5 to 8. The first section contemplates on the blessedness of walking in accordance with the word. Then the second section is about the condition of the heart towards keeping the way of the word. Now I'm sure you're much the same as me and you see and you read those adverts that say, here's the way to be fit and healthy. Follow this program of exercise. Follow this diet and we guarantee you'll have a better body, more energy and be happier. Or sometimes we're advised that if we invest our money in a certain place and keep it for a while, perhaps in an ISA or some sort of high uh, interest investment fund, then it will return with great interest and profit. Now we are led to believe that these things are the way to promise blessings. But first one tells us the way to be blessed. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. The pathway to blessing is to be blameless. Now when were men and man and woman most blessed? When they were in the Garden of Eden, before the fall. They were blameless. They had the richness of all that God had made and given. But most of all, they were blessed with a perfect, holy relationship with God. Blessed with being able to walk with God and to talk with God, with no shame or impediment between them. They walked in the way of the Lord. They delighted to walk in the way of the Lord and to obey his statutes, as verse 2 emphasises. But once they decided not to walk according to his law, things changed. They were no longer blessed as they once were. Their relationship with God was broken. Their relationship with the world and creation was broken. By God's grace, however, they were still blessed, and we are still blessed, but not as they once were. Verse 3 goes on to tell us the blessed do nothing wrong. So is this an impossible task? Is it impossible to be blessed? Because since the fall, only one person has been blameless. Only one person has kept all God's statutes and done nothing wrong. That person, of course, is Jesus Christ. But there's an important distinction between blameless and sinless. Blameless is all about integrity. Psalm 101 spells out what it is to be blameless. And 1 Timothy chapter 3 gives us an idea and tells us the manner of life of the blameless person who is above approach. They conduct themselves wisely because they walk in the Lord. The psalmist himself knows he's not perfect. Verse 67, he says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. And verse 176, I have strayed like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I have not forgotten your commands. The psalmist is a penitent or repentant sinner not a sinless person. God said of Job, he was blameless. But he was not sinless. Zechariah and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist, walked blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. See that in Luke chapter 1 verse 6. Yet they too were sinners. 
And it's possible for sinners to keep the law of God. Now I know often we think that, it's, that no one does. But Genesis 26 verse 5 says, Abraham obeyed me and kept my requir requirements, my commands, my decrees and my laws. And of course David, we know he sinned, he committed adultery and murder. Yet in 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 14, Solomon is told, If you walk in the ways and obey my statutes and commands as your father David did, I will give you a long life. How can these people and sinful people be blameless? Well, it means that they were believers. They walked where the law pointed, pointed to repentance and faith in the one promised, the Christ who will come as Saviour. The blessing they received is justification by faith, having Jesus' righteousness accounted to them. Same applies to the psalmist, and to you and to me, by faith in Christ's atoning work on the cross, we are counted blameless, yet we are still sinners. You see, this psalm talks about walking. It's all about a journey and heading in a direction. It's not about status. As Christians, our status is in Christ. Our righteousness is in Christ's righteousness. And yes, that is a blessing of God's grace and mercy. But the blessed person is on a journey. And the second part of verse 2 unlocks the psalm for us. They seek the Lord with all their heart. The truly blessed person pursues the Lord above all else. If we seek him, it means we must follow in his paths. Walk with him. Walk in the direction he walks. Verse 3, it says, they walk in his ways. His ways are given in his word. And we don't go astray from them. Eugene Peterson in the message paraphrases this using the words, you don't go off on your own. You go straight along the road that he set. You know, I've got the tendency to, to, to do that very thing, to go off on my own. I've got sat-nav in my car. It sets the road I need to take. Just to, But just ask my family, at times I don't listen to it. I go off on my own way. It usually causes more stress in our car journeys. And God's word is our compass. God's word guides us in the direction to for us to take our lives and how to conduct our lives and all that we do and say God's word sets our path the life of a disciple of Christ is more than just taking the blessing of justification but it's all about walking in the paths of the Lord living as Jesus lived as first John chapter 2 verse 6 tells us now this is not an option Verse 4 in the psalm tells us, You have laid down your precepts that are to be fully obeyed. You know, God cares that we know the detail of his instructions. He cares that we fully obey them. Because there's only a way to fully enjoy his blessing. To fully enjoy our relationship with him. You know, these are the instructions of the sovereign Lord. Of our, of our creator, God. They are to be diligently kept. God knows how we should live. And he wants us to live 
in accordance with his laws. As many of you know, I used to work in shorts. I was responsible for writing maintenance instructions for the aircraft. These were from the maker of the aircraft and they were to be diligently followed. No option for safety depended upon it. And we have no option but to follow God's precepts. But as we know, the, the blessing of salvation, it will be a delight to honour him with our faithfulness and obedience. It would not be an undue burden to follow the precepts of our Saviour and our God. So knowing that, how do we respond? Well, verses 5 to 8 shift to a first-person perspective and express a deep desire of the psalmist's heart to obey. Verses 5 to 8 are our prayer from the heart to walk in the way of the Lord. Verse 6 says, Oh, that my ways be steadfast in obeying your statutes. He knows he cannot keep God's statutes in his own strength. He knows that he has this tendency to wander, as I do with the sat-nav instructions. Yet his heart yearns to be steadfast, to be diligent and consistent in obedience. So he prays for God to enable him. He knows the benefits of this, that he will not be put to shame. And Christians cannot lose their salvation, but sin causes us shame when we disobey the Father's word. It makes us embarrassed. We are ashamed. Our sin may well make us ashamed before others, but we will feel shame and be ashamed before our God. When Adam and Eve sinned, they felt shame before God for the first time. When the prodigal son returned to his father, he came ashamed, acknowledging that firstly he had sinned against heaven and, again, and then against his father. The psalmist's heart, his desire is to obey the Lord's commands so he does not face that shame. He says he wants, as the ESV puts it, his eyes fixed on all our commandments, all, all your commandments. His desire is to pay attention to them, to gaze at them, to know them. And verse 7 says, we'll learn your righteous laws. Spurgeon says, sin brings shame. But when sin is gone, the reason for being ashamed is banished. Now that's such an encouraging promise for us today. That's by God's grace and through faith in Christ. Our sin and shame are gone. Now the psalmist knows that it's only from an upright heart that praise will flow from. He has learned God's righteous laws. He has learned God's judgments. But he acknowledges that not only does he need to know them, but he needs to do them, to keep them. A commitment that he makes in verse 8. We all know, and the psalmist knew this too, that we cannot do this in our own strength. So he pleads in his prayer, at the very end of verse 8, Do not utterly forsake me. You know, his request is, Do not abandon me, Lord. Enable me in my discipleship. 
Enable me as I strive to keep and walk in your ways. Paul reminds us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Living for Christ, obeying his commandments, especially in the light of persecution, in the light of a world that totally opposes many of God's laws and commandments. It's not easy. But we have the promise. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. That's Hebrews. To sum up, as Christians, our righteousness is secured through the work of Christ on the cross and by faith in him. But as a disciple of Christ, we must seek him with all our heart. To have a deep heart desire for holiness and to walk in his ways. Let us pray earnestly for a heart like that. To be enabled to keep his commands and to walk in the way of the Lord. And then we may rejoice in the Lord with an upright heart. May that be our prayer for ourselves and for all of us within our fellowship. May we be blessed as we walk in the ways of the Lord. Amen. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my life, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless pain, this gift of love. Righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I lay.
first cry to final breath. Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever block me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I'll stand. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever block me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Thank you, Wallace. Our second praise item was In Christ Alone My Hope Is Found, a well-loved song here in Mavilla. Let's now pray for others. Our loving Father, you know all about us, our joys and sorrows, our strengths and weaknesses, our celebrations and our anxieties, our certainties and our doubts. We know you're a God who hates sin, and we are all sinners, and yet in your gracious mercy you made a way for us to be reconciled to you through Jesus. Thank you. We pray for many of our family and friends who reject you, deny you, just don't seem to care, or who maybe have grown cold in their faith. Please draw them to yourself. Thank you for the love you have for us. Forgive us when we are slow to extend that love to others. Forgive us too when how we live doesn't match up with our Christian profession. May people look beyond our imperfection to the perfect Saviour, Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for our church family, for those grieving the loss of loved ones, Be close to them. For all who are dealing with daily chronic pain, give them the strength each day to cope. And for those who have recovered from illness or surgery, thank you for their healing. We pray especially this week for our Holiday Bible Club. We thank you for each child who comes along. May they be safe, enjoy each evening's activities And please give them understanding of Jesus' love for them as they hear about Peter's life with Jesus. Thank you for all who are part of the team and for prayerful support from others. We would love that as a result of the club, other families would join us in church. All our prayers we bring to you in Jesus' lovely name. Let's bring tonight's podcast to a close as we say the grace together. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen.